Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast for Burn Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's never been more jealous of a listener, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Uh, shout out to good friend of the podcast, David Kwan, who uh, sent a picture from... New Orleans, where I've never not wanted to be in New Orleans uh, before <laughs> the the uh, national championship game. He happened to run into one Chris Beard outside of his hotel. Uh, Coach Beard, never turning down a fan, lovingly took a photo with uh, both David and his son, Nate. Uh, so shout out to the Quan the, the family, Chris Beard, and uh, yeah, being in New Orleans, all things. Uh, that I love. It was really a triple snack of things that Kyle was jealous of. And so I really wanted to put his misery and his pain out there on uh, the <laughs> internet. But we're not here to talk about misery and pain for Kyle. We're to talk about misery and pain for some folks north of the Red River. Texas beats OU in the weekend series, taking in dramatic fashion that Sunday rubber match to win the weekend series. We'll down the 40, we'll burn orange lenses, we'll bang the drum, Godzilla Tron, all of those fun things that we always do. But let's start with some fun and not so much fun on the diamond. So Texas had to go up to Arlington to take on OU for various reasons, but came out Friday and looked like the old, the Texas of, I don't know, 45 days ago and just put it on <laughs> OU seven to one Pete Hansen looked like the Pete Hansen that we expected him to be all year. Unlike the Pete Hansen we saw last weekend, but big 12 pitcher of the week performance from him on Friday night. Uh, Saturday didn't go quite as well. And then Sunday looked to be even worse, but Texas battled back scoring 11 unanswered runs to roar back from a seven to one deficit to win that one. 12, to eight, a big weekend for Texas. Uh, and hopefully this is a momentum builder. The back half of this schedule is easier than the front half of the schedule. So hopefully this is where Texas turns the corner. and looks like the Texas we expected them to be uh, getting into the season. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we're about at the midway point. You could quibble a little bit with that. Um, you know, we're 30 games in halfway. Uh, yeah, it's it's if you go all the way to the championship in Omaha, it's somewhere between like sixty-seven and seventy games, depending uh, if you have to play a couple extra games or not. Um, so, not quite halfway, maybe, but but certainly halfway uh, of the regular season or a little bit over. Um, but yeah, so you can you have enough of a sample size that you can you can look at, at the season. Uh, the Big Twelve is good this year, so there are still some good games on the horizon, but um, I think this was an interesting one, right? This is their second uh, Big 12 series. They they lost their first one where they just had heartbreaking losses in the first two games to Tech. Um, they, they won the first game in this one and then and kind of had a late, tough heartbreaker uh, in the Saturday game, and in both cases showed out on Sunday, which I think shows some fight. This one really... If you lose your first two series in the Big 12 to OU and Tech, you know, first of all, Twitter will be unbearable. But um, it, it also, you know, it, it changed a little bit of the narrative of, of the season, getting that Sunday win, getting that series win, coming back, fighting hard. Um, you know, it, it showed some Texas fight. It was all in all, I think, a, a really good weekend. They just beat what I believe is an underrated, I hate to say that out loud, OU team. I think they're RPI number 20 uh, in, in the nation. So, I mean, they legitimately should be uh, a, a ranked team who's who's not a regional host, but on the outside uh, looking in kind of uh, on, on that group. So they are very good. Um, and they went to a neutral site and beat them, you know, two out of three and, and showed a lot of good things and a lot of progress in it. So all in all, I think a good weekend. Pete Hansen, like you said, pitcher of the week, uh, Big 12 pitcher of the week, did his thing. Tristan Stevens uh, did his um, – the Sunday starter, kind of the inverse of last weekend when both starters struggled a bit. Uh, and Lucas Gordon wobbled a little bit, and we had some of the similar bullpen issues that we've seen flare up. But, I mean, 
all in all, I think the way that they did it on Sunday, the comeback, the fight, leaves a much different taste in the mouth, especially we won't talk about the weekday game. Um, but they, about, you know, if they would have lost to both Texas A&M in the week, weekday game and then uh, lost to Oklahoma in the weekend series, we'd be looking at a, a much different kind of place. We'd be taking much different stock for this team. They probably, instead of moving up in the rankings to number seven, might have dropped down to number 20. You know, it it, it, it did matter um, that, that they fought back the way they fought back generally, but the way they did down seven to one and then winning 12 to eight, you know, that, that they just absolutely. Uh, and, and it goes to show you, Gerald, I think more than anything, if you remember the Texas Tech football uh, horns down that led to like a 21 28 <laughs> point comeback. Uh, similarly, in this one, you had an OU baseball horns down that led immediately to 11 straight runs for the Longhorns. So I will say it to all of the, the fans, probably the players of other programs who listen to this, because I know they think about Texas all day long. Oh, um, yeah. Keep keep doing the horns down. It nurtures our soul. It's the greatest thing you can do. It obviously uh, causes our players to go on delirious runs where they hold you from scoring and score themselves. I love it. I love that exact thing. Keep doing that. It's great for us. We're not the ones to get offended by the horns down, Kyle. You and I are not those dudes. I think uh, I've told this story before and I mentioned it on Twitter, but like I learned at a young age, thanks to Gerald Goodridge Sr., like don't get mad because the other team's celebrating. Do your job and they won't celebrate. And that's like this. I think the, the mindset that Texas baseball had on Sunday, They th- this is a team that I think we talked about it last week, really struggled a bit between the ears. They they seem to not be, especially on the, the mound, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but like this is a Texas team that I think needed to prove to itself that it could battle back, and it wasn't the team to give up the leads. It was the team that would force you to give up a lead. And so I think that for Texas is bigger than anything. And we joked about it last week, uh, 12 runs. Enough to win a baseball game, come to find out, especially when 11 of those come without an answer from the other team. And so that, to me, again, we the bats can support the bullpen as it gets it figured out, because really, you've mentioned it, and I think it's a great way of viewing it. There are two seasons in collegiate baseball, really three seasons. You have your non-conference, you have your conference season, and then you have the postseason. And I think... As much as it sounds like, I'm not saying punt on Big 12 play in the conference play, because I still think Texas has a chance to win the conference title, and I think that's a very fair expectation to hold. But what I'm saying is Texas wants to get the bullpen figured out because they want to dogpile in Omaha. And so some of that is still going to be growing pains as we see Texas try to figure out how and who in the bullpen uh, can be the guys. And and, um That, to me, is the biggest question that continues because you're not going to be able to score 12 every outing. You're not. You're just not. Now, thankfully, most Sunday starters will give you a couple of runs, and Texas's bats are able to take advantage of even the smallest and slightest um, weakness that a pitcher shows, but you don't want to have to rely on your offense uh, to get you out of a seven-run hole. And and maybe that's a good good segue Gerald to talk about where we're at and how much we've relied on on the offense again 30 games in it's it's time for a uh, a health check um midpointish health check Texas currently sitting at 21 and 9 uh through 30 games they're number eight or number seven, depending on which poll. Uh, they currently number five in RPI, which probably is what matters. Number 10 overall strength of schedule. Um, and, and something that, that if you're just watching Texas or maybe you're not a, uh, a super big baseball fan and you knew they were number one and you wondered what's going on or you're, you're a casual fan or a fan of another team and you say, man, what happened with Texas? Uh, they've dropped a little bit. Well, 60%, uh, 18 total, of their games have been played away from home, including 16 of the past 22. They've been on the road a lot. Um, and if you look at what's coming up, this is why Gerald said the schedule definitely looks a little easier and, and, and shakes out favorably. 19 of the remaining 26 in the regular season are at home. And Texas has been superlative under Pierce at, at the at the dish. I mean, they just don't lose hardly ever uh at home they don't lose many series at all um but they certainly don't don't lose many games generally uh at the dish so that is a good sign for things to come they play still a really good oklahoma state team and a pretty good tcu team coming up uh at home so so they have some tough games but they 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 they're in a place where i think they can go up from here and there are some positive 
signs. I'm going to start with those bats where Gerald talked about. Bats can't win you every game, but they definitely have won a majority of the 21 games. They are crushing the ball right now. They lead the Big 12 in both categories with a 318 uh, batting average and 47 home runs. Uh, They are not singular. There are multiple guys crushing it, but there are two players right now for Texas hitting that are all-American caliber. I mean, uh, Golden Spikes caliber, like player of the year caliber. And, and um, I'm going to start with the one that that may not be as much of a household name. Again, if you're not paying close attention to baseball, is Murphy Staley. Murph Dog leads the nation in hits. Um, he's like a decimal point away from leading uh, batting average. He has 13 doubles, a triple, and eight home runs. Uh, he's had a hit in all but two games and has 18 games with multiple hits. Now, he, he is... If the, any player has him, he's your guy. But don't forget, he's the reason, I say, that's opened up the next guy who I'm going to talk about, the other All-American candidate player, to to do what he's done because pitchers can't miss him. So Murphy Staley not only has had the stats, but he's had the protection of Ivan Melendez, who, oh, by the way, was just named the National Player of the Month. Not Big 12, nothing. The National Player of the Month for March. We talked about it before the season that if the guys on either side of Ivan Melendez could put together even a, a, a slight banger of a season for lack of a better term and give him some protection, then Ivan Melendez would make himself some money and make Texas some wins. And that's exactly what he's done. I mean, he is top 10 in multiple statistical categories. He's second in home runs, second in total bases, bases, sixth in slugging, eighth in RBI and eighth in walks, right? All of that. And they're walking him more than 92% ish of the other, the rest of the company. And so that to me is so telling of, how solid this lineup is. You can't really, you know, you think back to like Barry Bonds, right? That's a bad example based upon how you feel about Barry Bonds. I think Barry Bonds is regardless of juicing one of the best baseball players to ever walk the planet. And you can't leave some juicers out of the hall of fame and putting other juicers in. But anywho, that's not the conversation we're having. (laughs) The conversation we are having cough, cough, Roger Clemens, cough, cough, um, is that pitchers can't pick their poison. In this lineup, you usually have a, have a pitcher that's like, I'm going to pitch this guy, I'm going to walk this guy, I'm going to I'm going to give this guy no hittable pitches, and I'm gonna, this is the guy I'm going to pitch to. And this lineup is not letting you do that. Trey Faltini, who's again a guy who we didn't really expect to be kind of a masher, has been a bit of a masher this season, and it's turning out for Texas. You know, he, he's he's had a couple of, uh, of bad spots and bad individual at bats, but I think overall it's hard to be fr- uh, upset with what Trey Faltini is bringing to the to the lineup because we really just expected him to hold it down with the glove. Yeah, you looked at two guys coming in, and we said it in our preview that if you get anything out of the bats of Faltini and Arduan, you consider it a win because Arduan's one of, if not the singular best defensive catcher in the country. And Faltini last year and coming into this year was viewed as probably the best defensive shortstop prospect, uh, big league prospect at shortstop in the country. And and he has been great leading the Big 12 with 87 assists, 962 fielding. He's been great on that end as you'd expect, but he also is 24th in the nation with 10 home runs. I mean, he, like you said, has struck out a lot, but I think he's just swinging harder, swinging more because – they need that from him at that point in the order. He's been able to get some rallies. They've had a lot of seven, eight, nine rallies in games where that's where they really got the offense going. And it's because they have some bats lower down in the order. Cause like you said, there's, there's uh, sluggers and dangers all the way through it. Arduan is, is along with uh, we mentioned him Staley and, and also Doug Hodo top 30 in the country and in, in doubles. I mean, he's, he's hitting more home runs. He's uh, in conference play over 300 uh, batting average. I mean, it's, it's, those two guys you don't expect, and getting that is just Lanyap. Um, but then you look at another guy. We, we we talked about Murph Dog. We talked about Melendez, who again just nuts in the month of March. Um, you, you, another guy, the the third, and I just put this together as I'm saying it out loud. Triple M here, Murph Melendez and Messenger. Uh, he's hitting over 400 in his last 12 games. He's hitting 480. In conference, Skyler Messenger has been great defensively at third, and he, being the Kansas guy, you know, loves Big 12 pitchers, I guess, because in the conference and and kind of just lately in this point of the season, he's heating up. But he's not the only guy. 
I think Mitchell Daly, uh, who has probably gotten the majority of the ire uh, from fans this year is, is finally coming on uh, 10 of his 25 hits this season have all come this past week. Okay, great. Uh, and uh, also his only home run of the season. And then uh, Campbell, who's probably the, the other guy who people expected more from who hasn't been able to deliver. He's younger, but maybe people thought this would be the breakout year. I remember saying that uh, on my preview. Um, They've had three home runs this season. All of them came in the past week. So they're all coming on when when the guys who aren't just the guy, Melendez admittedly didn't have the best series. He had a really key RBI against OU, but he, he didn't have what he'd been having. He was a little bit down, I think, that's just a one-off. But other guys stepped up. Messenger, Daly, Campbell. I mean, those aren't the names. Arduan, those aren't the names you're used to necessarily seeing. Um, but I, I think those guys getting hotter as we head into Big 12, and again... We'll talk about the pitching next. If we can get things right at the right part of the season, if guys are swinging the bat and are hot at the right part of the season, this team has the talent to go all the way. Yeah, and, and I think we talk about this point in the season. It has to be said that, you know, Texas is number 10 in the country in strength of schedule, and 60% of those games have been away from home. And right, so, right. like, there's part of that is like, Texas Tech last weekend is a very hitter-friendly ballpark, so those maybe are a little different in Austin, but again, if if my aunt had wheel or my grandma had wheel, she'd be a bicycle, right? We can't play that game. (laughs) But the second half of the season, 19 of the last 26 games will be in Austin, so we'll see how that works out. But we've got to talk about the other side of the the diamond or the other side of the the mound as well. Um, Texas playing relatively good from the field um only 15 errors this year Silas Ardwan, like you mentioned thrown out 17 uh people stealing like why like that's a wasted out at this point like why does a coach even call for the steal why like you know going in you're you're gonna get caught like that is just not going well and we think about the pitching that's really been, you know, we joked about it last week. It, it seems like Tanner Witt's UCL is holding together the entire pitching staff and specifically this bullpen. And it feels like guys went from feeling like they were the biggest, baddest one in the ballpark walking on the mound, which is more important than even the stuff you've got throwing, but just what's mm. between the ears. It feels like something has changed. And like Aaron Nixon, for a perfect example, is a guy who last year felt unbeatable and untouchable in some spots. And this year he has felt like he doesn't know even how to put the ball between and over the plate. Like that to me has been the biggest change in the bullpen. It's not the, the ability of the arms. It's the ability of the, of the minds of that, that bullpen staff. Yeah. And the, the bullpen is where it is. I think the quote you're mentioning was, was Swindell, um, Greg Swindell, of course, Longhorn legend commentator on Longhorn network and, and ESPN. Um, basically said you have bullpen guys throwing 97 who are afraid to throw strikes and they're they're falling behind two and oh three and one and they have to throw their heater down the middle and that's i mean that is is kind of what we've been saying what we've been thinking is is it's control it's putting that locating that fastball locating that first getting ahead in pitchers counts um and and that's why you've seen an uptick in walks and home runs that's what they need to work on texas giving up four grand slams this year they've given up pete hansen we talked about has given up more home runs this year than his whole career and he is certainly not the only one again hitter friendly parks sure but they've also played in two major league parks you know it kind of balances a bit um but you know nixon is kind of the the perfect template for the bullpen issues he he's blowing by guys with his slider when he can get ahead and count he's still striking out 1.2 guys per inning he's he's pitching he, he's still getting guys to whiff but he's making it hard for himself almost every inning he's going out and walking one if not two guys and and putting himself in a bit of a pickle and you know he he has only had three innings or three outings i believe uh this season where he hasn't had a walk you know that that's that's tough um because he was so efficient and lights out with his pitches last year you just knew you could put him in any spot in any jam, and he could locate and and, and mow guys down. Um, and I, I don't know if the combination of Witt not being in the bullpen and moving him out and then Nixon struggling a little bit has just really set it off. But, you, again, you have – this is why they were preseason number one. This is why all the people who know anything about college baseball were saying this team will be so good at, because of their pitching. Three solid starters, you know, three Friday guys, and then a bullpen with – 12 guys with major league stuff, you know, 15 guys with major league stuff. It's just, and, and no one who's watched this team, Pierce said it as well. Uh, when in the Aggie game, he, he, he went out and, and talked to Southern and didn't pull him. He said, 
Get yourself out of it. He's letting guys go out and work it out and prove it, even when they have mistakes and they struggle, because they're going to need all of those arms in Omaha. They're going to need Duplantier to get it going. They're going to need Southard. They're going to need Eckert to, to have some stuff. They're going to need, uh, you know, Koi Cobb, who's come on here lately, not a name we expected at the top, but who's come on and been pretty good. You know, they're going to need uh, Staley. They're going to need all these guys to, to be ready. And so you, you kind of work it out. And again, you hope you get, get right at the right time, but it's, it's, it really seems like it's just a control issue. And, 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 and if they can get ahead and counts, the stuff that they have is too good to be a three, five, five team ERA. Now that caveat, all of those things said, that's still the best ERA in the Big 12. <laughs> so we are absolutely pimpling on a prom queen, picking pimples on the prom queen here. Most teams would kill for the problems that Texas has, but that, is Texas. We had number one aspirations. We have Omaha still in sights for this year. The road to Omaha continues this week. They've got UT Rio Grande Valley in the midweek, so hopefully that one isn't too dicey. And then they've, they're hosting TCU in Austin. It's coming off a bit of a tough week. Hopefully Texas can continue and get its mind right and its arms right uh, in the, the third weekend series of conference play. But now's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus all of the winnings goings on and we down the 40 the ladies of red and charlene mccombs field finally getting things back to where we thought they would be after a little bit of a touch and go uh early start to the season the ladies now rolling sweeping iowa state in the weekend series friday seven to five saturday 11 to 10 in an eight inning Haley dolcini somehow got a win in that one in spite of blowing the lead in that it doesn't matter though and then sunday uh seven to two so a big weekend for the ladies to get back in their winning column yeah it looked great um they're six and oh i believe to start big 12 play uh so they are they are again hot at the right time after a really big struggle in the beginning and in that uh that saturday walk off especially with the uh the queen mary uh uh, walk off home run to come back and complete the comeback. Just uh, it was, I, I was watching that and, and her quote after the game when they finally got the audio working was uh, she said, you know, I, I, I've, I, I've had to watch Mackenzie uh, or she said Mac, but Mackenzie Parker, who's been red hot, get all these game winning hits from the, from the on deck circle. Finally, I got my chance, which is a hilarious way to think of it, right? Like the player who's had multiple walk offs already this year had a player who was just waiting behind her in the on deck cir- circle to do it herself. <laughs> uh, I love that mentality for, uh, for, for this Longhorn team. And again, a couple players red hot at, at the right time going into Big 12 play. This is a really good Big 12 conference, so they're going to need all of that, all the bats, all the arms, every run, every hit. I mean, they're going to have to scratch and claw for some runs in a really good softball conference. I mean, the Big 12 continues to be like the spring sport conference, right? It's, it's I guess, winter technically basketball, but baseball and track and swimming and so- the The Big 12 saw... So- like, we're just going to be honest with you. We don't expect them to beat OU. We don't expect them to be within 45 runs of OU on some days. <laughs> the OU baseball team is on a whole other level. But um, as far as competing for the rest of the conference, it's absolutely up uh, for grabs for the ladies. So next up for them, they've got UT Arlington before hosting those OU Sooners this weekend. And in that one, um, just let's just be honest. Like, gird your loins for potentially a tough softball weekend. Yeah, OU softball right now is i don't even know it's it's better than alabama football it, it may not be quite on the level of of uh ut swimming but it's pretty men's swimming but it's pretty darn close like they are just so good right now and they feel like a just a uh, they're it's a bunch of professionals playing amateurs they're so good i'm pretty sure that they have more run rules than several teams have wins this season like that's how good OU softball is this year speaking of doing real good numbers one men track and field <laughs> and ladies women's track and field uh, went to College Station and came out victorious, taking all the cookies from the Aggies. The men won 11 of 19 events to win 105 and a half to 96 and a half. The ladies edged about. It was like a one event difference, uh, 102 to 100 to get the, the sweep of the weekend go in and uh, win the dual meet against the Aggies. Absolutely. And a couple shout outs, the men's four by four clocked a 302.33 to close out the, uh, the, 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 the meet. It was the fastest ever uh, in a collegiate dual meet. Uh, Jonathan Jones just continues to do amazing things. He's, he's fast at the 400 at the 800 it, indoor outdoor. He's just, he's one of the fastest humans on the planet right now. So um, 
Gerald, just always wanting to give your uh, your island boys a stand little, up a little shine. Um, Trip Preparey just does nothing but but win. Um, one of my favorite things was this was like you talked about a really close one um, for. Texas to win on the women's side. And probably if you look at it this way, the difference could be Tyra Gittin setting a personal best and facility record in the high jump. The the um six feet four inches and, and seventy five or four point seven five Kyle. inches. That's right. Um but let's just note that she set the facility record. That's the Texas AM record. Tyra Gittins transferred. From A&M. And, and, and then came to Texas and then set the facility record at A&M, which is just so beautiful. And she, again, those points that she won proved to be the difference in this one. These are, to give them some credit, two of the better track teams in the country. If there's a world where this plays out in, in, in the national you know championship outdoors and it's Tyra Gittens who beats A&M again after she transferred, like... Oh, that would just be that would warm the cockles, and especially after watching uh, the commentary. If you watched any of the the live or any of the highlights, the the Aggie in like stadium announcer makes Sean Elliott look look you know uh, objective. Makes you know uh, he, he's just one of the the most egregious homers in uh, in the four by one Texas smoked. A&M, and I don't know if he had a bad angle or he didn't realize that turns um, were a bit deceptive, but Texas was like five lengths ahead, and he kept saying, great handoff by the Aggies. Aggies Aggies looking good, pulling ahead here. Ooh, this is a close one, and at no point was it close. I mean, Texas just smoked them, and it just, I don't know, it made me so mad to, to watch. Aggies are just literally the worst and the most... We have a burnt orange lenses section on here, and it's incredibly sarcastic compared to what they do every morning. The most average Aggie fan waking up with his maroon or her maroon lenses on. They are just so deplorable in every way. Kyle, I I left you Gabrielle Montefalcone in the rundown because I wanted to hear you say that, and I'm disappointed. But she won the 400 with the personal best, 49-42. I believe you mean Gabrielle Montefalcone. There you didn't you, go. There you, you, go. you didn't use the Italian uh, fingers I, gesture, and that's why you I, couldn't pronounce it. I did not because podcasts are definitely a visual medium. <laughs> Number 11, men's tennis swept the weekend doubleheader, taking all seven points from Texas Tech. Normally, you don't play all seven when it's a collegiate level, but you need those tiebreaker points for conference. So seven, nothing over Tech and then four, nothing in the doubleheader over UT Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, I believe Tech was a was a ranked team uh, when Texas went in there, uh, and and just just absolutely uh, showed them what's what. Uh, all in all, a a good week, and they have a really they got some tough stuff still left. The Big Twelve is also a very very good tennis conference this year, like ridiculously deep, and it feels like all the good teams can beat each other, and and I don't know, like, it's it's going to be a very interesting conference tournament, a very interesting uh, tournament at the end of the year, so Texas just needs to keep grinding out wins, you know, putting little things in the memory bank and, and accessing them later, because there's going to be tough stuff still on the schedule, but they are looking good. Speaking of tough stuff, this is probably the toughest conference matchup they've got, number three in the land, TCU, the head up to Fort Worth to take on those frogs. Number 12, golf, keeping it country club. Got the first one of the spring season and the first win since the match play championship in the fall at Augusta. It's also their first stroke play win since May of last year, winning in the NCAA regional. So it's amazing what happens when you... I don't know, get your best player back on the links, uh, how successful things can be. Uh, Kyle, if, if you had to guess, what was the last event that Pearson Cootie played for Texas? I don't know the event. I think it was in October. It was the match play championship in the fall, the last time Texas won a weekend tournament. Yeah, it, look, you know, this. he's been out for a while. Both Cooties were, were out. We got uh, Parker Cootie, who himself is an elite golfer, back. Uh, and I, I mentioned they were hoping to get him back this weekend. Pearson... No one knew. Is he going to be 100%? What can he do to come back? Parker had a little bit of a rough go coming back from the same injury. Um, so no one knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, the amateur golf rankings had finally knocked him out of the number one spot. He fell all the way to number two uh, amateur golfer in the world. Um, and I, I believe Michael Jordan meme, he took that personally um, because he just turned around and 
did the, the the second best ever like round in in Longhorn history. He put, or, or I guess the second best ever fifty four uh, hole total in program history. Our boy Bo Hostler was uh, eighteen under in twenty sixteen, but but shot a seventeen under and Oklahoma State's really good. Like they're number two in the country and they beat them by 26 strokes. And this is their first time having their full team um, healthy. So that number 12 uh, next to uh, UT's golf, I'm going to make a deal with all the rest of you. You could pick one or the other. They're either number one or number two, um, but but it's 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 definitely not both um, because with both cooties they are uh, they're a force to be reckoned with. All all four of the uh, the, the golfers um, in this one were, were basically you know uh, finished in the the top thirteen uh, individually. Um, they were all uh, multiples under 17, 10, 7, and five, and they're just a great great team effort. And um, you know, like we said with with Tarati's, Gerald, what's better? Than one cootie? Double cootie. That's right. That's right. That's better than one cootie is two cooties. Double cootie action for Texas. They'll be off for a couple weeks uh, before they're back on the links. All right, Gerald. Now let's do our best Aggie impression. No, I will not. I will not sully this segment. We will do our best Longhorn fan impression and put on the burnt orange lenses and take a look at the world through such lenses. Uh, Gerald, the interesting, exciting kind of, especially for you and I who observe Texas athletics from a certain standpoint, one of the more interesting stories of the week was the, the new NIL portal, if you will, uh, the partnership with open doors, launching a, a site basically listing every UT athlete across all the sports, uh, and, having a direct almost like you remember the cameo where you could book people kind of yeah. a direct uh direct to user uh user to user booking experience for nil opportunities um which i think is just incredible you asked if i remember cameo there but it's been like three years running that i almost paid vince young to say mean things to you on your birthday like that's just really <laughs> where i was at uh but no like i i spent way too much time today looking at this portal and like i was texting you people that we could get uh to do a podcast appearance for like i don't know our our monthly starbucks budget or something i don't know if you what your starbucks budget looks like but uh mine is unfortunately robust it's just so cool that that it's like hey what kind of athlete do you want? What price point do you want? What like you can search for specific people. Uh, and I'm still pretty upset that because international student athletes are considered international students, they can't because the way that M1 visas work, you can't do off-campus work for things that aren't related to your chosen career field. So like there might be a loophole for maybe like an advertising major if that was it, but I don't I don't want to test that and ruin someone's eligibility. Uh, but like I, I it's just cool to be able to go on there and be like, um, let me get a tennis player for like 40 bucks, right? Let, like, this is just such a cool opportunity. And, and um, Texas continues to kind of set the charge and set the – after lagging behind for a while, Texas is now kind of at the bleeding edge of what NIL can be. You know, in, in politics, you, you call it down ballot, right? Like you have your uh, you have your presidential candidate at the top of, of the ballot that gets people in. Uh, and we'll call that Bijan, I guess. Um, you know, Andrew whoever Jones. the... Sure, Andrew Jones, whoever the most popular Longhorn on campus is, and that's another debate for another podcast, maybe an interesting one. Um, But it's interesting to look down, and there's some absolute monsters, legends, all Americans, you know, Rush or Mount Rushmore quality uh, competitors in their respective sports. You can get, you know, one of the best soccer players in the world, like literally in the world, in Lexi Massimo, who's who's soon to be like captain of the U- U.S. Uh, WNT. Like you could get incredible tennis players, Peyton Stearns, you know, Sia uh, Moldiab, uh, Trip Perry. I mean, we we talk about on this podcast. A lot, you know, you could get Mary Iacopo or Lauren Burke or or Mackenzie Parker or any of these softball players. You know, we talk about a lot of these athletes because we we think that sometimes it doesn't get the shine necessarily the the, the trickle down shine, if you will, to keep it the politics theme running um, it, <laughs> for for some of the other sports. But we have incredible athletes. That's how you win a director's cup with all Americans, with legends, with future pros, you know, in, in these sports, uh, all across. And, and it's a cool thing. And it's, it's, I hope that it is, it is successful for, um, men, women, football, basketball, rowing, every sport, uh, on campus that this, this impacts top to bottom, uh, all the way across the board. I, I think this is a cool thing and ultimately going to be a great thing. The aforementioned Pearson Cootie, 25 bucks, 
for an Instagram post, TikTok post, or podcast appearance. I'm just saying, looked it up right now live. It was that easy. While Kyle was talking, I pulled up the Open Doors app and typed in Cootie. You can get both, you can get double Cootie action for 50 bucks. <laughs> That's all it takes, 50 bucks to get both of them on a podcast. Yeah, maybe coming to you soon. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, let's let's keep it moving. Some other guys who you can get for, you know, zero dollars, because that's how it works. Um, Air quotes, zero dollars. <laughs> future NIL dollars. Priority <laughs> linebacker uh, target, Samaje Burrell, commits to Texas uh, over the weekend and then goes absolutely viral with his uh, his backflip in front of the all-gas sign. Gerald, how stoked are you specifically for this kid? I mean, he's a kid that you know, had all the right offers. It's like three-star, but like you watch the tape and you look at the offers and see the people that wanted him, and he's absolutely a priority guy. O- OU, Oklahoma State, he had an Ohio State offer on the board that he was, was seriously considering. Uh, but like... He's the guy that if you want to earmark a kid for like the burn orange media conspiracy um, tinfoil hat posts on Texags, he's he's like easy money. Like he's a he's minus 100 to be the guy that Aggies point out. because He's going to get a ratings bump at the end of the year. He's going to be a four star, probably a decent four star. Um, he sits outside, I think, of the top 300 on 247, I think. Uh, ESPN just updated theirs and he's just inside the 300 and even ESPN sucks at recruiting kids outside of like their five stars. So uh, like they even recognize he's pretty solid. So that's a guy to watch. I'm excited, athletic in the state of Texas doesn't produce many inside linebackers. And so there's only, I, I think I did the math. There's like five, I think inside four or five inside linebackers in state in the state of Texas um, for the class of 2023. And so that's, that represents 20% of the linebacker production in the state of Texas. So you got to have him obviously Hill at the top of the board uh, and Texas is still in the hunt for him, but getting, getting Burrell is a big win for Texas. Yeah. I love that. And again, I would think your number is even smaller uh, if you look at those recruits who can also do backflips uh, on demand. So um, <laughs> very, very cool. I'm an easy sucker self. For, in pads, for, by the way. In pads. That's right. That's <laughs> right. For a bit of athleticism. And uh, I also watch Netflix uh, documentary Cheer. And so I, I imagine that uh, the, the Texas Palm Squad or, or the, the mixed, I guess, men and women squad will be, you know, just giving them some shouts. If you can tumble like that. You know, you could have a dual career. Anyways, um, on to uh, on to guys who uh, will not be, or or a player who will not be on the forty acres going forward. Courtney Ramey uh, put an Instagram post thanking forty acres Longhorn fans, Longhorn Nation coaches, everyone, um, and, and it was it seemed like going out on a on a good note. Uh, his announcement that he will both be entering the transfer portal as well as doing the kind of half step into the NBA draft process to understand his grade there, I imagine likely uh, will, will transfer. Um, and uh, he is officially in that portal. So we'll look at, uh, look at where he ends up. It'll, he'll be an interesting case because um, I've heard some reports that he might be more interested in being a, a ball handler, which I think a more interesting landing spot would be a really good team that needs a, a lockdown defender where he gets noticed on a, you know, a deep NCAA tournament run, right? If you, if you're on uh, that and that Tar Heels team that's playing in the championship and you're locking down uh, Ochai Abaji, which, Courtney Ramey did, uh, but you do it on that stage, um, you know, you, you you might get noticed, but it's, it, you know, it'll be curious how, where he goes and what that says about what he wants to do uh, and thinks he still has to prove to uh, to play at the next level. But we know he has all the heart and drive of a true competitor, played uh, some solid years uh, on the 40 acres and uh, yeah, will be, be watching his career closely because I believe he will be a grad transfer in the portal um, using his COVID year. He's a guy that I think got really maligned for his his lack of offense this year, but uh, he was a he was an absolute snub and and um, travesty that he was not on the all defense team. Like I don't know what else. Like unless he ap- at, like unless he actively murdered Ochai Abaji like on the court. Like there's nothing more he could have done to keep that guy from having the ha- to to shut that guy down offensively. And so it, I'm sad to see Courtney Ramey go. I know they're people that disagree with me on that because his offense, I mean, he, he took a, he took a step back, but I think it's much like a lot of guys who really are top defensive players. Like you spend all of your energy chasing somebody and locking somebody down on one side of the court. Something's got to give. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on him and his career, but a, a long who we will absolutely be watching his career uh, as it unfolds on the 40 acres is Dylan Mitchell. 
Dale Mitchell, who's now, I believe, uh, who had him? I think it's on three, just updated theirs, uh, their rankings and put him as the number two recruit uh, in the nation. ESPN has him as number seven. Uh, so, you know, a, a top five caliber recruit, top 10 at least in Dylan Mitchell, and I think even underrated there, uh, has has proven that he's bringing a lot. We talked about him last week with the the – McDonald's All-American game and the dunk contest and what he brings athletically. I think the thing that you saw uh, this week in his last high school game um, repeatedly is that athleticism, but how he uses it. Dylan Mitchell might be the best defender, and I said this last week, might be the best defender in this class as well. All the things he can do offensively and with his athleticism uh, in transition and on the boards, he might be the best defender. Uh, in this class as well, which I think is incredible. And, um, you know, that seemed to have paid off for him as he led Montverde to a national championship. Hopefully he can help Tex- lead Texas to a conference championship. We'll start there. I'm not going to say national championship <laughs> uh, because North Carolina is absolutely murdering Kansas currently. So uh, we'll just start with a conference championship. We don't want to get the expectations too outsized for the young kid. Gerald, I just, I'll leave one thing there. Mitchell did have 17.12 rebounds, but when you talk about North Carolina murdering Kansas, um, North Carolina got hot at the right time. We've talked about that with Texas teams in general in the, in the postseason in college uh, when there's tournament play. But Kansas also, if Texas got their draw, I think would have been like an elite eight team. I, I think the hardest team that Kansas played in this entire time outside of North Carolina uh, was Providence, who Ken Palm had at like number 38, I think, 37, somewhere around there. And that was the best. Most of the teams they played uh, were, were well lower than that. So if Texas got that draw, who knows? You know, uh, a lot of times it is the luck of the draw and it is uh, being hot at the right time. So we'll think about that as we think about some of the other sports. And then finally, we'll close out the burnt orange lens as we talked a lot of golf today, but we'll wrap it up with one more golf. Uh, Three Longhorns finishing in the top 20 of the pre- Masters tournament. And they played two tournaments in Texas immediately before the Masters, one of which uh, was the Dell match play. Uh, and now they had the Valero Texas Open this past weekend. Bo Hostler and Dylan Fratelli both looked like they might win. Hostler ended up finishing fourth. Fratelli tied for eighth. But Jonathan Vegas as well, 18th. So three top 20 finishes uh, and, and uh, the, the hottest golfer in the world, new number one. Scotty Scheffler did not play in this one, but it'll be interesting if any of those guys, any of those Longhorns when you in your Masters Calcutta pool uh, and you're you're looking at the odds uh, where they where they sit, but I bet Scheffler is top five, top six these days. Gerald, let's move it on to Godzilla Tron. What have you been watching on your giant screen? Uh, so this was a very nerdy week for me. Most of you know that I'm a big uh, comic book and, and Marvel guy, and so um, Moon Knight, the show starring the incredibly handsome incredibly talented oscar isaac uh came out on disney plus and so my wife uh and i watched that together very very good oscar isaac again continues to be just an incredible actor and it's great to see him uh continue to show some love to the genre stuff but that gave me the itch to go back and read some uh moon knight comics one of my favorite runs of any comic it's a short short run uh but warren ellis relaunched moon knight in like 2014 and the art is just beautiful beautiful and the writing is like one of my biggest issues with modern comics is like there's too much just words on the page and verbose and Warren Ellis does this beautiful thing of like he writes the comics in the way that they should be where it's very succinct and to the point and you let the visuals tell the story and so it's like six issues if you've got a um, Microsoft Game Pass Unlimited me- um, membership you get three free months of, of Marvel Unlimited currently right now it's a deal going on so like if you're interested in that kind of thing check it out it's completely free um, but it's the Moon Knight run from like 2014 or 2016 Warren Ellis wrote it's really really good I've just never been a comic book guy but I I feel like I I I could be talked into trying it um I have stagnated a little bit with my own reading book reading so maybe I need something else to uh to jog my 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 brain here I've been just swamped at work and the idea of reading something has not uh after hours has not been uh the most exciting um but maybe maybe I need a comic book to, to jumpstart that uh gerald maybe you can help me with that one uh what i did do this weekend was um a ton of assembly my wife basically redid our living room uh and so i had like six pieces to fully assembled uh, two chairs uh, two shelves a new console a new uh what do you call it coffee table um so it was uh it was a week of of, of sitting in the living room 
on the living room floor with the TV on in the background, and I just needed something that I didn't need to focus on. So my number one show, and I'm always curious where people go on this, what your number one, I just need to fold laundry, I just need to do something and have mindless TV on in the background show is, and this is almost a disservice because this show is way too good for that, but I threw I threw Parks and Rec back on because I think it is one of the best comedies ever made. I've seen it many times, so I don't have to think about it, and I will just catch you know, a, a, a Greg Pakaitis reference and bust out laughing, uh, but I don't have to have watched, you know, the, the, the 10 minutes leading up to that with any uh, serious intent. But it is dangerous because there will go on some some all-time riffs and you'll get distracted from your task at hand. But so I watched a lot of Parks and Rec while I spent like 15 hours assembling things. Um, and it was great and fantastic. The only uh, newest show that I watched, um, and I know I had big claims for this week maybe push it back a week but was formula one was it drive to survive uh my wife is obsessed with that show she finally watched the fourth season she's been waiting so when she watches something it always ends up that i catch about two-thirds of it so i watched have no interest in formula one no interest in cars or racing or anything uh but i caught a, a good chunk of it because it's just such gosh darn well done documentary that it pulls you in it's so interesting i actually just prefer learning more about the small teams you don't hear anything about like striving for one point than you know uh lewis hamilton versus uh verstappen at the top i like the uh the underdogs in there just to, to hear about them and interesting uh you know their stories as well so uh, a great show always i think i've recommended on this podcast before i'll recommend it again the fourth season has been out for a couple weeks um but it's just it's it's one of just the most well done documentaries you'll ever see. A good documentary will get you to watch pretty much anything. I watched I, one of my favorite documentaries of all time is about crumping from LA. It's called Rise. It's incredible. Good documentary will get you to learn more about anything than you ever thought. But now is the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? I went back and forth here because. The performance, the Manning cast performance of, of uh, and, and that's a disservice to it, the uh, even better than Manning cast performance, I should say, of Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird for the Women's National Championship game um, was just incredible. Um, they were amazing. Um, just Google it if you missed some of it. I'm sure it's out there. Just elite commentary. But what I actually am going to gonna bang the drum on is, folks... W- we're all spoiled. We're, 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 we're fortunate. We live in, in a time of many of us have, have means and, and, you know, we, we have access and abilities to have Kickstarters and GoFundMes and ways to raise money for, uh, those who are struggling and those who need help. And, um, we haven't officially launched it, but it might be something to think about if, if we as Longhorn fans decide to maybe, um, do something like that, launch the, the GoFundMe, launch the Kickstarter, launch the, um, the financial help for those who are in in dire states and in in impoverished and in, in lesser fortunes than than us, and of course, I'm talking about the broke boys of Oklahoma. Um, those broke, broke, broke boys at OU are basically setting up a lemonade stand um, to try to 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 pay their way to SEC um, by charging for the spring football game. It's just it's just so sad. In addition, they they moved kind of eleventh hour moved the home series uh, against Texas to the ballpark at Arlington. I imagine there were some financial implications of that. Um, you know, it, the, it, if they weren't such loathsome creatures, you might even feel bad for them. Um, but instead we just laugh. We just point and say, ha ha, you broke, broke, broke boys. Uh, you might beat us at certain things. Who, who cares? Softball. That's fine. Football lately. Great. Okay. I wipe away my tears with dollar bills at the university of <laughs> Texas. You, 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 you poor, poor broke boys. I'm not one for pocket watching. That's not normally my thing. But anytime we get to dunk on OU, it feels good to do it. But you know what? I'm not concerned with the pores because Texas is old money, and it's fine to be old money. But I'm banging the drum this week on name, image, and likeness. And I, Kyle, I'm just tired of seeing these types of stories for name, image, and likeness stories. How dare South Carolina and Orange Theory team up to get lifetime memberships for herself and to get fitness classes and VIP access for all her coaches and teammates. How dare they ruin college sports by finding a way to compensate athletes for the value that they're bringing in 
for the university and for the organizations that are associated with the university. How dare they? I'm being sarcastic because people at the uh, start of the NIL era said a couple of dumb things that one, it would ruin college sports and two, that it would be terrible for women's sports. And I'm going to go ahead and say that neither of those things are true up until this point. Some of those valuable NIL deals outside of like that $8 million, like let's, let's just put aside like the NIL collective stuff because that's not actually name image like this. It's within the rules and I love that it's happening, but it's not actually what the NIL deals are, but like seeing in this, like, this was even egg on Texas's face, but the 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 former walk-on player that caught the game-winning two-point conversion signed a deal with the local Applebee's and got, I don't know, free apps and certs for the rest of his life or whatever, right? Like, that's the fun, dumb stuff that college um, athletes can and are doing now because of NIL. And so it's great to see that these opportunities are coming to the men and the women. And some of the more valuable uh, athletes, as far as the true spirit of NIL, have been the ladies. Their Instagram following can get them a ton ton of play go look at the numbers on the nil site like leave like jamal charles and them out outside because they're like thousand twelve hundred bucks or like look at the actual on-campus athletes and the ladies have some pretty big numbers next to their names and so the nil opportunities for student athletes i love that this is like this is this is capitalism working as it should where people are able to capitalize on the work and fruits of their labor uh, in a way that's not exploitative. And so that is, if capitalism is going to be our system, then this is how it should run. Let the people go into the market and peddle their wares and people like Kyle and I will find people that we can afford and, and have them come on our podcast and talk about how great we are. Agree. Also, is it NIL if, uh, is it considered NIL if Hubert Davis never has to buy a drink in Chapel Hill ever again after ending Coach K's career? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's NIL. I still need to look at the rules. Uh, But I think you're right, Gerald. It is fantastic. I love... Hopefully that we see even more and more uh, of, like I mentioned earlier, these these uh, female athletes reaping the benefits across all these sports. Um, it's it's very cool. Uh, get Rory Harmon some cool deals. Get uh, Mary Iacopo some cool deals. Like let's let's uh, let's be the 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 team that national uh, stories are breaking about with cool stuff coming for our athletes as well. But again, just wanted to throw a little shade at Coach K at any opportunity. So I'm done. That's all we've got for you this <laughs> week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Aggies ain't fast. Sooners are broke. <laughs>